I have in front of me this little device. Can you tell what this little device is, Father Harrison? Can you tell that the listeners looks what I have? like a pen. It is a pen, but this is not any ordinary pen. Uh-huh. This, my friend, is a space pen. Space pen. Are yes. you Are you uh, going to outer space? No, I'm leaving that to uh, Father Rocket Dan. Okay. Um, but, but, so here's the deal with this pen. Allegedly, allegedly, this uh, pen, like the ink capsule, if you will, is pressurized. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that you can write from any angle. Like I can write upside down. Yeah. Like, and the ink will go on the paper and everything. Yeah. It even says that you can write um, underwater, but I think that's ridiculous. I haven't tested it, but like, how would you test that? I don't even know. You go underwater and you start writing on something. I guess so, but like, what paper would I use? Waterproof. Paper. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> I like, don't know. Ink, <laughs> is ink not like water with like food coloring? I don't know how ink works, but <laughs> anywho, the reason why I got this pen is, I don't know if you run into this problem or if other people do, but like when I'm trying to sit in my little chapel, mm-hmm. I've got my journal in front of me yeah. and you're kind of writing at an angle and then like your, your ink won't go on the paper because you're kind of writing at an awkward ang- angle. So yeah. I bought this yeah. space pen and I'll be honest, I am completely and utterly underwhelmed by the space pen. Okay. It's, it like works a little bit better. But it was like twenty, like three bucks for this pen. Oh, I know, right? So the Return space it. pen review. No, I guess I don't know how. I'm, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to send mail. <laughs> I'm not a very functional person, so I'm just gonna keep this. Have space you pen. ever sent mail? Have I ever sent mail? I've sent like, uh, like paper mail, but not okay. like pen mail. Okay. Pen mail is a whole new level of mail that I'm just not. Ready to get a little bubble mailer, throw it in there, and then return. No, it. man, it's too. I, I I can't do that. It's too okay. much. I I I don't I don't. I, when I write, I, I I always I get like a book or something like that, and I just put my pad of paper on there, and I just lean over and write. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of writing and journals and stuff. Yeah. So as we talked about before, we got these lovely Memento Mori journals. Yeah. From, I got mine too. Uh, finally. Yeah. Well, the thing is with this, like I've written a few pages in it. But, like, this is my one critique of the book. It's such a nice-looking journal that none of my words do it justice. Like, mm. any of my incoherent scribblings to the Lord or reflections right. on my day and, like, my, my terrible handwriting, like, make me, I feel like I'm unworthy to even use this journal and how nice it is. What you're saying is that just like everything you do, anything you touch, it gets worse. Everything I touch gets worse, man. It's, it's a curse. Oh, the poor people of God. Uh, everything I try to do, every ministry is just a failure. That's not true. Speaking of things that aren't failures, welcome to Clerically Speaking. Ah, hey, nice transition. I'm being optimistic about this. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I'm Father Anthony. And I'm Father Harrison. For the first time ever... Yeah. I am broadcasting, or not broadcasting, recording from my rectory, the third yes. floor of my rectory. He has, so but I'm very out. disappointed looking at your rectory because I just see bookshelves, but they're empty. Well, here's the thing. So I had to, myself and my lovely mother and my great father, they all helped me bring up all my books into the rectory, third floor of the rectory. Mm-hmm. But oh, when we got here, right. alas, no bookshelves. So finally, like two days ago, they some people came and they helped bring up some bookshelves so i have bookshelves now but i just haven't put the books in because i'm lazy gotcha yeah gotcha. So they're all in front of me they're all in front of me in, in these boxes and stuff but i just haven't put them around 
That was literally the first thing I did when I moved into my rectory. But I, I also brought bookshelves with me, so. Yes. But also, like, yes. your your book lust is pretty unparalleled. No, it's paralleled. I've met worse people. <laughs> I've met worse people, don't worry. I, I'm, I've gotten better about buying books because you just don't have as much time to read as I once did. So, uh, Or when you do have the time, you're just too tired to read. Yes. You know that if you read a book, you're just going to fall asleep, even though it's 8 o'clock, and you know it's way too early to fall asleep. So mm -hmm. uh, I just, you know, I just don't really get a chance to read as much as I once did. And I'm trying to do more writing now, too. So um, you only have so much time in the day. So being a pastor is busy. So you have to what? keep up with a lot of different things. Like even on the weekdays? Yeah. yeah I mean, like, you know, that one mass we have to pray, and that's all we have to do. I mean, that takes up a lot of time. And we, we don't even really have to pray mass every day, do we? No, we don't. People that are so people shocked. off. Yeah. I know. People... They're like, wait, you don't have to say mass every day? I'm like, nope. Don't have to do it. No. I mean, I try to. I really do. I try to every day. There's there's the odd day for maybe just circumstances beyond my control, especially if you're traveling. Uh, it doesn't always happen, but I really try to say, say mass every day. Oh, so speaking of saying mass, so mm -hmm. now that I'm in my new assignment, we actually have mm -hmm. less masses and more priests, which is nice. So there are some mm -hmm. days where I do not have um, daily mass. So last week, I had one of these times when I didn't have a daily mass um, for the parish. So I decided to have mass um, in my little chapel that's across the way. And so I did that. And then someone had suggested, hey... Father Anthony, since you have priestly powers and you can say mass and stuff, how about you put one of the masses on the Twitter? And I thought to myself, well, why not? So that's what I did. I prayed uh, mass in private, but also it was being streamed, which was odd. Because I know, like, my experience usually of praying mass by myself, like, I'm very relaxed because I, it's just me praying. Like, it should always be just me praying but anyway it was odd having knowing that people were watching me say mass but they weren't in the mass you know what i'm saying so then i ended up like preaching to nobody but also to whoever was watching on twitter and it was odd but it was easy enough to do people seemed to, to like it and i think i'm actually going to do that again later this evening since i haven't said mass yet today so cool nice yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, like I got home yesterday, I didn't have a chance to have, um, didn't have a chance to have mass yesterday. And so got back, had to take care of a few things. And then, yeah, I went to pray mass and it was, it's really nice when you're, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's when you're facing the people and everything, you're just kind of always on. Yeah. But like when you're just by yourself or whatever, there's something different about it or, even if you're just not looking at people all the time, it, it makes a difference in how you pray the mass, I find. Because, uh, yeah, it's not about you, right? But exactly, sometimes yeah. the way we do mass, it is kind of about us, unfortunately. Uh, but, um, yeah, but I got I got home yesterday because I, uh, I was on study days for a few days. Study do you guys, days? Do, do you guys have study days? What is a study day? I'm, I'm not studying anymore. I graduated. No more studies. Yeah, but doesn't your diocese make you do like a few days away to do studies or something? I mean, if we no. want to, we can, oh, we can if you do want that. To. We've got like a oh, week okay. for like continuing education that we can take off. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, for us, it's a, it's a thing for all the priests of the diocese. 
and it's three days and we go out to Parksville, which is on Vancouver Island. And, uh, it's a nice day. We, we learn together, pray together, have a few drinks together. Uh, cause we're a pretty large diocese geographically. A lot of us don't see each other quite often. So it's nice to just hang out and be with each other. And, uh, yeah, so we had, uh, Andre Regnier who is, or as father Anthony would say on Andre Regnier. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't gonna say no. anything that ridiculous. I was gonna say something like this. Andre Regnier. See, that's okay. how you say it. Okay, fine. Whatever. Don't, don't uh, take my, my bits. <laughs> so, um, Anyway, so it was, he's the founder, he's a co-founder of a movement in Canada called CCO, which is kind of like focus in some ways. Um, and it was really good. He gave us some really good tips on how to evangelize from a parish context, how to think about reaching out to people, what, what kind of tasks and, and um, projects a priest should take under and what, what things he shouldn't be worrying so much about right away if he, this is something he wants to start. And it was really good. And it was a, it was a really good three study, three days of studies. So, so question, what was like the one big takeaway for father Harrison? The on one your study big takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say it was how to build up your parish to evangelize. And his suggestion was that I commit myself to surrounding my to picking a group of four to seven people in my parish, uh, who are faithful, uh, active, uh, um, con uh, contagious, teachable, uh, available type of thing. So, and to meet with them on a weekly basis for about the next eighteen months, and to work through some different programs and stuff to help build them up to be leaders, so that they can then do the same thing with a group of four to seven people. And then kind of let it multiply. Mm -hmm. That sounds very focusy. It is. It is. But I think there's a. I think there's a, the because the problem is like, evangelization is always personal, right? So, when you're thinking kind of, he says, stop thinking such big programs and start thinking more locally and more specific towards some people build them up and then let them build others up and then they build others up and and so on and so forth so that it doesn't all lie on you and at the end it, you build up people who you can trust to be in leadership in your parish for the future and i i think i don't know it sounds like it's worth trying at least yeah i agree so that's why i'm gonna try that out in starting january awesome yeah yeah oh that's about hey. it for me yeah yeah hey yeah yeah do you know uh you know uh you know what time it is uh what time is it it's everybody's favorite time Time for Summa Tweetalogica. Summa Tweetalogica. Summa Tweetalogica. Summa Tweetalogica. Summa Tweetalogica. We talk about I got one right here from Father Rocket Dan. All right. Who's he? Friend of the show. Friend of the show. What? Never Let heard of him. babies have confirmation and communion. Why are we not doing this yet? 
Like, why I, I are we not giving babies confirmation and communion? I agree. There's grace there. Okay, so little little history lesson, and you can yeah, correct me, go. Father Harrison, if I'm wrong about this okay. history lesson. So yeah. once upon a time, the church everywhere, you had um, the rites of initiation. So you had baptism, confirmation, you know, that anointing, mm-hmm. and the Eucharist all at once. Yeah. Well, as dioceses, especially in the West, got bigger, you wouldn't necessarily have the bishop around. Right. For these events. So you would take, the presbyters would kind of take this over, but those churches would still reserve confirmation for the bishop. Right. Because there's a certain sense where the bishop is the head of the local church. If you're going to be fully initiated, part of this family, the father has something to do with that. Like the bishop should have something to do with that. So it's kind of like that unity, the bishop creating unity in the diocese. So we'll reserve confirmation for the bishop. And this is a fun story. It might be apocryphal, but it's a great story. As uh, diocese got bigger and bigger, the people would say that a bishop was a good bishop if he got off his horse to anoint people. Hmm. So, like, literally you have this image of bishops, like, just riding into town, just anointing people, like, people lifting up their kids or whatever, however they old they were, and then just riding off to the next town. But a good and holy <laughs> bishop would literally get off his horse to, I like, take that. the time to anoint. It's huh. a great story. That's if it's not story. true, it should be, okay? All right. Now, in the East, there's a little, little bit different. They decided to let the priest um, confirm, which still happens in the West during Easter Vigil for us. Mm-hmm. But they had other ways of keeping unity with the bishop, which you know I won't get into because I can't remember them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you've got like kind of a theology developing around this new practice in the West of talking more about um, Pentecost and other stuff. And it's fine. It's fine for what it's worth. But grace is grace. And we should give, like, if we're yeah. giving kids, like, the other graces, why not give... Yeah, and, I, and the other thing I would add to that is that um, as it was developing, like that's why it's called confirmation, because literally the bishop, by anointing you, was confirming that you were baptized, right? Like that's that's literally why it's uh, called confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then and then in the last century, we got into this really weird thing, like a sacrament of maturity, essentially, like <laughs> like it's your initiation <laughs> into adulthood. Or it's the way you make your faith your own or whatever. And I'm like, but that's never really been the meaning of confirmation. And uh, I, I kind of, and I agree. It's like the grace is there now. And my, here's the, th- the other thing too with it is the arguments against this. I've only found the arguments to be on a purely pragmatic level. If we wait till they're in grade seven or in high school or whatever to confirm them, we keep them in religious ed longer. We and maybe get we them. Keep them. We trap them. Gotcha. We trap them, and maybe we can keep them coming to church later on. Because that always works. That's never worked. What? Uh, well, okay, it works. It's just, it's just no, not. It doesn't. No, I'm just. I'm no, being not silly. really. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, but yeah, it's like, I, and this is why, like in our diocese, we have our bishops, uh, the current one and the previous one, uh, went back to the original order. We do confirmation and first communion in grade three mm-hmm. here. So you do a two-year relig- uh, sacramental prep program to prepare you for confirmation and first communion in grade three. Obviously, doing first confession beforehand, but uh, because the idea is too is that's the other thing. It's communion is the completion of initiation, and the fact that you receive it before confirmation makes no sense whatsoever. It's so weird. It was a weird theological thing that happened in the 20th century, and it didn't exist beforehand. 
it, mm-hmm. like if you're going to listen to the tradition of the church, the tradition of the church has been always that communion completes initiation. Yep. So, yeah. Good on you, Father Dan. Oh, so here's uh, here's the thing. How would you give babies communion then? Practically speaking, how do you do it? Practically, I would say maybe, um, well, maybe you do it a little bit the Eastern way uh, where they where they combine the body and the blood and they put mm-hmm. use a little spoon and give it's like just a little piece of the host and they yeah. just give it to them i've also heard and i don't know maybe some of our eastern catholic listeners can let me know if this is true or not that the priest would just kind of like put his finger in the pressures of blood and then oh, okay. the baby would just receive that way oh interesting huh yeah that makes sense it would, just be, it would be just a little bit of the precious blood right. is the best right. just way a little bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Huh, okay interesting Cool. So that being said, Father Harrison and I will still follow the practices of our diocese. We'll be running around giving communion to our babies. Bishops, our bishops are allowed to make their decisions on this, mm-hmm. and we have to be obedient to that. Yes. So we won't go rogue. Okay. Hey, so last uh, podcast, we talked about demons and stuff, right? Two podcasts ago. Two podcasts ago? Yeah. Well, two podcasts ago, we talked about demons and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, so yes, yes. So this is from uh, the New York. <laughs> this is a tweet from the New York Post. Holy moly! Um, let's see how I'm going to censor this. Um, woman who had intercourse with 20 ghosts is now engaged to oh, yeah. a spirit, which is like, what? Like you need an exorcist, lady. Whatever's going on here. You first of all, you can't do that for like really obvious reasons. Yeah. But like secondly, like that is some demon stuff right there. That's yep. not healthy. I, I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, like, yeah, first, how is that possible? Yeah. Maybe is it that a guy just, like, put a blanket over him and say, oh, I'm a ghost? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, boo. <laughs> I'm a ghost. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, let's let's move on before we get let's... in trouble. I think that was great, though, but we're, we're going to move on. <laughs> I didn't think that one through, but uh, that was a tweet. Okay, hmm. um, save us, save us, Father Harrison. Pick another. Tweet. All right, let's 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 go a little lighthearted. Uh, Kyle Helmick uh, for Halloween. Mm-hmm. He he says he felt like a priest hearing confessions with all the people coming up to me saying stuff like, "It's been 15 months since my last In-N-Out Burger." Him and his son Rory uh, dressed up as employees of In-N-Out Burger for Halloween, and there's a great photo of him doing it. And I just thought it was a fun photo. I thought it was a great fun tweet about the idea of, yeah, people are coming up to me like I'm a, like I'm a priest, you know, because we get this all the time, right? People yes. go, hey, oh, yeah, I haven't been to church in years. I'm like, I'm not hearing your confession right now. I could if you want, <laughs> but I'm not hearing your confession right now. Uh, but that's like what people do all the time. with, And it's the same thing with this. And I just thought it was an awesome tweet because In-N-Out Burger is awesome. Father Michael Lilydale is wrong. I was going to say, yeah, there's some controversy about In-N-Out Burger. He's wrong. Wrong. Like okay, can we be can we be real honest? And I want okay. people to they can tweet at us and let us know. But like, guys, let's be real honest. There are some things that we really like, but that doesn't mean they're good. Like so the like locally Pittsburgh, like I love Eaton Park. Eaton Park is a local diner. They have yeah. eat, these Eaton Park cookies, which I love them. I love I love everything about Eaton Park. It's like where you go to when you're in like high school and you want to go out somewhere, and it's like late at mm-hmm. night or after a dance or if you want to go to breakfast or whatever else, it's just a great place. That being yeah. said, it's a thoroughly mediocre diner. Like me okay. intellectually, I can accept that, you know, objectively it's mediocre. Okay. I have a suspicion that maybe objectively. No. In-N-Out Burger isn't that no. great. 
I mean, no. I don't know. I no. don't know. I don't have, have you. Have you, have you been to In-N-Out Burger? I'm just. I've have never been. been to I've never been. I'm just trying to facilitate okay. an honest discussion about yes. what we feel and what we know. That's all I'm trying to do. Let me share you with you the gospel of In-N-Out. I too was suspicious. I'm like, it's just fast food. Why are people so hung up about this place? And then when I lived in in San Francisco, I finally went one day for lunch to In-N-Out Burger. And I was a little amazed. I'm like, why is there a, why is the parking lot full? It's 11:30, and why is there a lineup outside the door? And I was told that that's just a normal Tuesday. Um, so I walk in, I order a burger, fries, and and drink, and I have a bite of the burger, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Now it's amazing in kind of the same way that Pittsburgh's amazing in in its in its okayness. Which I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let it slide right now. I'm gonna let it slide because I don't agree. But continue. In the sense that like it's a it's a great burger. First, the buns, everything's fresh. Everything's fresh that day. There's no preservatives in the meat or anything like that because they bring it mm-hmm. fresh from the factory every day. That's okay. why they only have In-N-Out burgers near their processing plants. Uh, they cut the tomatoes fresh that day. The lettuce is picked fresh. The onions, the the fries are cut and and fried right then and there. Uh, the buns are spongy which are so important and you don't have that disgusting after burger taste. And plus the in and out sauce is amazing. Uh, I am a huge in and out apologist. And now whenever I go down to California, I always make sure my first, like when I, if I fly to LA, the first yeah. thing I do is I go to the in and out burger near the LAX airport. All right. Well, I'll take you. I'm reserving personal judgment. I just don't know. Just try okay. to bring up the conversation. Okay. Let's okay. do uh, another controversial one this is from jd flynn and he got all kinds oh, of yeah. uh, traffic around it but hey let's dive right in jd flynn says there's no way around it being asked to watch a fundraising video during mass is a scandal yep so the only reason why i hesitate to say yep is you know because who's doing the fundraising videos at mass uh, your diocese yeah usually? yeah it's usually like the bishop right isn't that for you guys yeah. like the bishop will have like an audio thing uh we don't do fundraising videos here what for this reason how do you raise money you talk about it like a human being no but the, the, uh, the diocese can't trust you father harrison to know your people and to talk to them in a way that won't be off-putting and you can still weave into the gospel in a way that makes them not feel like they're well, just being talked at so here's my video thing. and angry that's ridiculous okay uh, why do you so when, when do you guys do the video what the part we of the it, mass uh do it in the harmony usually yeah you see i i that's like a no-go for me uh-uh if i had to show a video i would show it after uh i would show it after like after the final blessing mm-hmm. i would i'd say ask people to sit down for a few minutes because most people will, um, if you ask them nicely, sit down and then I'll show the video. Mm-hmm. But it's outside of mass. Mass is mass. Videos have no place in liturgy. Yeah. I think, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about all that later. Yeah. I agree. But, um, oh, uh, uh, so I was going to say a thing about videos yeah. and the liturgy. And, oh, no. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. Did you? <laughs> yes. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, a clerically speaking first. Father Anthony has pulled a Father Harrison. Uh, I guess Nick has to play the bumper now. You did it! You forgot! <laughs> Father sure does forget a lot! Yay! 
So here's my thing. Like just with, with yeah. JD's thing, I wouldn't even preach at the homily about a fundraising drive because mm-hmm. I don't think that's the place for the, I don't think that's proper to the homily. Um, like, so for example, we're doing our diocesan appeal right now. So last mm-hmm. week at the end of mass, before the final blessing, I asked people to sit down, I had a few other announcements to make, and then I made my appeal talk then. So I'm still going to talk about it. I just think the homily time is reserved for preaching Jesus Mm-hmm. and fundraising is good and important and we need to do it but this and we can do it within the context while everyone's there at mass but there's homily time is not really the place for it in my opinion yeah no i actually i completely and utterly agree yeah um, it's tough because mm-hmm. so often mass is the only thing that many catholics do yeah but all that aside like usually these fundraising videos are for some like big diocesan push right and more and more i'm thinking to myself why do you need the diocese doing so much? Right. Yep. Like everything good that happens in a diocese happens on the parish level. Exactly. Like there's occasionally sometimes, I guess, maybe some things that the diocese can do because they have more resources. But mm-hmm. more and more, I'm thinking, I don't know if we need a big um, diocesan, like institutional, like structure downtown. Mm-hmm. Like why, how often does that really affect people and why are we pouring resources now i don't know because i haven't worked down there right uh, i don't know how it works but more and more i'm thinking like maybe we just don't need this maybe yeah. we need to become like more you know still have the spiritual hierarchy but yeah maybe just get more grassroots with our institutional structures like why right. do we need that so anyway yeah yeah so before i know we've already done our two but i, I have to throw we don't need to talk about this one i yeah, just need ahead, to throw this out there kevin burns 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 Mm-hmm. Talking to my wife about the last clerical pod, she referred to Father Sharapa as not Father Harrison. Ah. So. Hey, let's be I honest just... about this. You are the far more famous priest. I'm becoming, you're on like all these podcasts. You're the guest. <laughs> all, everyone wants to talk to Father Harrison. Oh, Father Harrison, you write such great threads on Twitter. And oh, you're so smart. Come on my podcast. So you know what? Are you jealous? You can have it. You can have it. No. Je- did, I, did I sound jealous? Yes. Of course yes. not. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. don't even know. Uh, well, how could I, I be jealous of someone who is so infinitely beyond me? Like, what's the point of being jealous? Jealousy implies that wow. like, you're there really could like, be a comparison, really, but there is no comparison. You're really laying it on thick. You're really laying it on thick. What? No. No. You never I just, do that. <laughs> I want to just support and affirm you in your greatness. Oh, That's you. all I want oh, to do. As, you, so... as a brother priest, I'm just oh, really impressed so by um, how much you just uh, you carry this whole endeavor. And uh, now let's uh, go to presbyteral <laughs> exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the best part. Oh, yeah. Yes. Quite. Yes. Quite. Let's have a discussion about something. Okay. Let's have a discussion about mass. Okay. Because, let's be honest, for many, many Catholics, Mass is the only thing that they experience, like, on a church level. Right. Like, I guess this is totally anecdotal, but, like, I feel like most Catholics, they probably say, Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we're about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Every yep. once in a while, and then they go to Mass. Yep. And so there can be a lot of pressure put on Mass. Like, how mm-hmm. do we make Mass more welcoming? How do we get people? Like, one of the things that... um 
the other priests and I were talking about in my parish was, you know, Christmas is coming up. How do we mm -hmm. become like welcoming to people? And I feel like sometimes there can be so much pressure on that mass that we kind of forget what the mass really is yeah, and what it's for. And why we're there. And why we're there. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, so like we talked about that fundraising video thing or whatever. Yep. Like that's so, that takes what should be an act of worship, of communal prayer, of entering into the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And they throw a video in there and it's just so jarring. And like, what yeah. is the message people receive? Because here's the thing. I think that a lot of people understand on an intuitive level, but they understand it for different reasons. And it's this. The signs and symbols of the mass, what people see and what people hear, mm -hmm. very much affects them. Mm -hmm. But where I think many people differ is how should we be affecting them? Right. So, so maybe let's start off with like a concrete question. And this is something that I go back and forth a lot on mm -hmm. is how do you make the mass a welcoming experience? Or even should you make the mass a welcoming experience? I think there are places outside the mass where that's possible, like having good ushers and greeters who uh, smile and say hello. Um, while I think that the church is a place of prayer, I, don't, I also don't think that it's not that we should be like just totally in our own space and don't say hi to people when we walk into a church. If you see it sitting next to someone, you can say, hey, good morning, how are you doing? That's a way of being welcoming. Mm -hmm. uh, just not complaining when a kid is making a little noise in church is a way to be welcoming. Um, and uh, I, I just, I think it's, when you're flipping, when you're, it gets around to the question when you're talking about like those signs and symbols about how do we see them? Or is it something that's created by man? Or is it something that's given by God? Because if you see it as something created by men, then we can start to play around with the signs and symbols to make people feel more welcome. But if you see it as something that comes from God, that this is like God through the church's authority, etc., to 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 manifest what is the law of liturgy, um, then you're going to say, "Hey, I can't fool around with that." But there are other areas where, yeah, I can work at being more welcoming. Because I, because I think, and I will say this, because I think the reason we we care about this, because every priest should ask themselves that question, because we understand that that's often for people who may be coming back to church for the first time in a long time, that's their first experience for a long time. If you give them something positive on the human level, it might open them up to see the beauty and the goodness of the liturgy on the divine level. Yeah, but I agree with you. Okay. But there's a problem with that distinction, signs and symbols given by right. God, signs right. and symbols created by right. man. Right. Because any sign and symbol we use in the liturgy, no matter how old, it's going to be, the ones that you and I, I think, would consider given right. by God, that's still very like highly influenced right. by man. Right. Because that's, I mean, if God is going to speak to us, he's going to speak to us in these right. ways. Right. But like, it is bishops and saints who you know, constructed the first liturgies and moved them mm -hmm. and shaped them, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, I, the, the counter argument would be, let's be honest, we are the ones that decide what the liturgy looks like. Why not just accept that? But we aren't. It was the church. It was 
um, there was a real, um, the church manifests Christ's will, right? So the church, yeah, you're right. It'll take up those human elements, but then it'll say, okay, these human elements are distinctive ways that we speak, that God speaks to us. And we're going to, and this is the way God chooses to speak to us. And then, so you have like, and that there are certain actions of Jesus, especially that we have to follow where you actually know he did take it and he did make something new, like take, eat, this is my body, take, drink, this is my blood. That's something new that comes from God because Jesus is the son of God um, that is given to us that we have no right to play with. Like I, I think I, in other words, I, I hear, I think, I think we agree, right? It's just, uh, Mm-hmm. But it's just it's it's the fact that people don't don't see the magisterial level sometimes around signs and symbols. Yeah, I do agree. I'm trying to play a little bit yeah. devil's yeah. advocate here, right? Um, because sometimes I think when we use the word or the phrase the church, yeah, like there's something in our hearts that like knows what that is. But if you try to explain it, like the church says or the church does or I the know. church teaches, when you parse that out, it can become like this quagmire. Uh, yeah. Okay, the church says this, but how much do we assent to it? How much do yeah. we need to believe in it? How much is that this is a discipline? How much of it is a dogma? Do we even right. know what those words mean anyway? And right. a lot of times when people hear the church, I know for better or for worse, I mean, I think for worse, they zone out. They're like, yeah. well, what is this? You know, if not just yeah. a bunch of dudes I know. in fancy clothes saying stuff. Yeah, and I, I think it's a difficult thing. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I agree. I agree. <laughs> I got nothing else to add. Oh, wait, it was right. a, it was a perfect comment. Yep. Okay. Good. So we acknowledge that what I just said was perfect. Let's move on to the next point. Uh, and this is another thing like I've just igno- like seen anecdotally. Anecdotally. Yeah. Help me out here. Anecdotally. Anecdotally. Thank you. Anecdotally. Oakley Dokley. Okay. Is that very often the parishes that are like the most warm and welcoming and before mass, they'll say, Hey, greet your neighbor. Um, the ones that have the best breakfasts after mass are almost always the parishes that are the goofiest liturgically. Yeah. Right. And like, why is that? Cause I've, I've been blessed to experience a lot of different parishes in my short period of time. Like for example, I yep. have seven parishes right now. I had three parishes before. Yeah. Uh, I visited parishes when I was a seminarian, blah, blah, blah. But it seems like it's almost universal thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't for the life of me understand why, but it just seems to happen that those parishes that are most community centered are also like the weirdest or the most um, avant-garde with their liturgy. Benedict says this about this. He talks about this in Spirit of Liturgy, and he says that it we kind of horizontalized the, the liturgy and that we saw Mass as something that celebrates the community rather than worshiping God. And so these, those kind of worldviews, that, that they, I don't think it's intentional per se. I don't think people mean that, but they, by making this, the liturgy all about um, what we think will reach people, et cetera, we're actually unintentionally taking the ability for God to speak in a proper, the way he's chosen to speak through the church and, and, and in the liturgy. So um, yeah. It's just, it's, we've horizontalized the liturgy. And so we celebrate community in all its form. And so the, the mass is really about us. Yeah. It's a tough thing too, because I was at one of these parishes at one point in time mm-hmm. that had some, like just in the past, some very charismatic 
Mm-hmm. A lot of personality, and people love these pastors, but the more and more I heard about them, I realized they were doing a lot of things that were not just liturgically incorrect, but just like flat out like wrong and detrimental mm-hmm. and, and uh, I, I would say sacrilegious. Uh, but people didn't realize that because they're not educated to know what mm-hmm. the liturgy is supposed to be. They're educated through their parish priest. And the problem is if you have a goofy priest, this is what happens. Okay. Yeah. Now, some of that had been tempered over time. But let me tell you, whenever I preached at that parish, people yeah. listened. Hmm. It was, it, there was an energy in that parish as well. So hmm. I could kind of tell them things, and I knew that they were listening and attentive and, like, with it. Hmm. Even though there were a lot of strong personalities that maybe didn't quite care for the little things I did liturgically, there was still, like, an energy and life to that place. Now, the problem is yeah. when any, whenever anything needed to change, like, whenever there's a change in the liturgy, it wasn't just a change in the ritual for people. This was like an attack on them. Right. Because they're so much in love with these previous priests or the good feelings that they received beforehand that any change in the liturgy feels like a personal attack. Yeah. And this happens a lot. Because people fall in love with these priests and because the priests, they do a lot of good. Mm -hmm. Even the goofy ones do a lot of good. Mm -hmm. Because that's just often how Jesus, he'll still work through people. And so it can be very difficult for guys like you and I and for a lot of the um, younger priests or just mm-hmm. you know, anyone in general. Any kind of change we make is a very tricky tightrope type, type to walk, you know? Yep. It's super hard to walk. I, I, I'm still learning how to walk that rope, to be honest. I mean, and here's the thing. People think, oh, well, you're a priest. You can just do what you want. Um, I would invite you to put yourself in a priest's shoes for a month. And to realize how quickly that's not true. Mm -hmm. There are times and places where when you have real legitimate abuses that attack the core of what the liturgy is meant to be, I think you have a duty to act on that right away. Like, like for example, I don't know. uh, I've never seen this, but I'm just thinking. I've actually, I mean, I've been blessed in the sense in my parish that I've never had to really worry about that. But, um... I've heard of stories of where the priest celebrates mass, but then he gets just lay people to do communion. He goes, sits down. Yeah. I've heard that. I think that's a legitimate abuse, um, that needs to, the priest is the primary, he's the ordinary minister. Um, extraordinary is just that, like it's out of the ordinary. So stuff like that, or, um, if it's, okay, or, wait, if lay people, or if lay people are doing the homily. Yeah. Right. Okay. But stuff can you like stop that. for a moment yep. and get to that one thing because this is a thing that happens a lot of parishes we know that the ordinary ministers of communion are priests and deacons Mm -hmm. so it's their job to distribute communion now every parish that we've ever been to we know there are extraordinary ministers of holy communion so Mm -hmm. regular lay people who've been baptized confirmed who distribute communion Mm -hmm. Uh, and a lot of times there's a lot of them like i've Mm -hmm. been at really big parishes you've got one priest and you've got like nine um, lay people up there distributing communion. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, we both heard stories about some priests who yep. don't distribute communion, go back mm-hmm. and let the lay people do it. What's the big deal? If lay people can do it anyway, why is it matter? Because isn't that, you know, empowering the lay people to take on a role in the liturgy? What's wrong with that? It's the secondary role. But if your parish had four priests, there would be no lay ministers. So, like, when I was at the cathedral, for example, um, at when I wasn't uh, doing masses, I would come in at the other masses, 
and help distribute communion. And there would be one less layperson scheduled because it's there as an extraordinary measure to ensure a reasonable time to mass so that people um, aren't there for four hours. Um, but if, if, every, if every parish had five priests, you wouldn't see extraordinary ministers. Okay, but I want to push this. Why? Okay. Like, what's the big deal? Because it's the one who sacrifices is also the one who gives. Um, we are the ordinary minister because we are the one. I mean, okay, it's different for the deacon, obviously. But actually, the deacon is really meant to be the ordinary minister of, of the chalice, right? That's, that's, his, that's his primary role. Um, but it's Christ who sacrifices himself for you, and it's Christ who gives himself to you. And the priest is in persona Christi Capitas. But isn't that just clericalism? <laughs> well, this is clerically speaking, so or clericalism is, speaking, so. But here's no. the thing, like you can see, like I get, like I get your argument. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to figure out and try to understand how to talk to people about this because so many people have just experienced this and seen this so often that they're not going to understand. Like, what's what's the difference? Why does it matter? that the priest does this and other people don't. If people can do it, and we've seen them do it for years, but here's what's that saying? Now, I think I think that if you have extraordinary ministers of communion, mm -hmm. if you don't have um, the priests purifying the chalices, if you have people receiving on the hand, but doing it in an awkward way, do like the one-handed pill pop or whatever else they do to receive yeah. communion. Mm -hmm. Or um, you have ushers shaking people's hands as they go up to communion. Mm -hmm. I feel like all these little things are saying something. And they're saying that the Eucharist is something very ordinary and very casual. Yeah. 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 I totally, I totally I, agree. Like I said, like none of those things, like no, nobody's doing these things maliciously. Mm -hmm. Um each by themselves, I mean, they might not be a huge deal, but these are the messages that are sent very subtly Sunday after Sunday to people. And to kind of change those things and reorient the overall message is a very difficult thing to do without offending people, without driving people away. Um, and the problem is, at least for us too, like a lot of priests who try to change these little things because they are the right things to do, mm -hmm. oftentimes don't do it with a pastoral heart. Right. And without kind of a certain care, and they just kind of steamroll over people. Yeah. And then that makes our job all the more difficult when we we're trying to do it in a kind way. People are more resistant to it. Yeah, it's and there's a lot of resistance sometimes, and it's hard for people to come around. And 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 like often I find, it's even hard to explain it if let's say you want to make a change or something like that because if we are there is so much reasoning behind what we're saying like we're saying this one thing but actually there's like a two-hour theological discussion to be had about why yeah so that not because it requires a two-hour discussion but because people often have so little understanding about the reasonings behind all this that it would require talking about all these different things with them to help them see the total picture yeah you have to take like 12 step back to get exactly. to the point where all this stuff makes sense. Exactly, and that takes too much time. <laughs> it does. It does, and it's it, it, it's and and to be honest, most people don't have the patience for that. They want a simple three-step answer, 
Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, that's not the way it works. Like the laws of the church around liturgy are there for protecting the practice of our faith. That's why they're there. And they're not for us to play with. And it's our jobs as priests to promote and defend them. Because if we do liturgy properly, as the church asks us to do it, it communicates something to the people. And it forms them in a, in a way that we can't, even our words don't form. It changes how they, it helps them see Jesus in a new and unique way. And so it's not our, like the priest's job is not at mass to be a performer, that he's there to do one thing and one thing only to preach the gospel. And well, sorry, two things then to preach the gospel and offer sacrifice, <laughs> right? There the we two, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. We're there to sacrifice. And I, I, and people will say, well, then like, no matter what, how, how hard you try to bring them around and to explain it to them sometimes you're going to just people have to come out and say well that's just clericalism because they see that taking an authoritative stance no matter how hard you've tried to charitably and rationally bring them around that a final decision is just seen as automatically clerical and i'm like well that's not clericalism clericalism is i want you to do what i say just because i say it mm -hmm. which is not what we're doing right we're yeah well, here's the thing. I think this is the most, when it really comes down to it, this is the thing. Yeah. If you or I change something in the liturgy, mm -hmm. and if we give the explanation why, and we tell them this is what the church teaches, mm -hmm. then in the back of people's mind, or maybe in the front of their mind, is this question. Is this. Mm -hmm. Well, then, Father, who we had before, I know. who we loved, I know. was he wrong? Was he teaching us the wrong things? And the answer is yes. Yeah. And that's a painful thing. Because here's the, here's the secret. Like, I am absolutely all about, um, I don't even like the term empowering the lay people because lay yeah. people already have, like, their own, like, power via the baptism and the Holy yeah. Spirit that's been given to them. Yep. But I want more lay people who are leaders, who are catechists, mm -hmm. who are on a liturgical committee, who are, I want all this because I can't do it on my own. Right. And there are people who have, talents that i don't have mm -hmm. i'm absolutely and unironically all about it mm -hmm. that's how you need to run a place especially in my area that's just the only way to do it mm -hmm. that all being said a lot of things also just come down to the priest like if the pastor wants it this way or if the pastor's liturgical outlook is this mm -hmm. or if the pastor chants this way or if the <coughs> pastor prays this way mm -hmm. that has a deep effect on the community and there's no way you can get around it yeah and i think some priests might not realize how important that is and how their own spiritual and liturgical formation is going to affect you know thousands and thousands of people and it's kind of scary when i think about it yeah. You know, the way I pray mass is going to affect thousands and thousands of people, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, it's a tough one. It's something I'm still learning as a pastor. Um, because it, it's different too, when you're a pastor, it's, it's very, very different. Um, and it's, I, there are things every i think every priest has got his ideals of what he would like but it takes mm -hmm. time because here's the thing if it's not absolutely essential to the validity of the liturgy then sometimes you can take it can take time right yeah yeah and you have to take your time with it sometimes there, I, I would say there are essential things to liturgy that cannot be 
um, neglected. Uh, your ministers at mass must be baptized Catholics, right? That's a that's a absolutely modus yeah. operandi of the, of the liturgy. Uh, that your that the priest is the one who or any ordained minister, I should say, preaches says the gospel and preaches. That you say the words of the con you say the epiclesis and the words of consecration as they are written down. Mm-hmm. And you follow, you know, those are your absolute essentials to mass. And it's our duty to follow that no matter mm-hmm. what, no matter how many people won't like it or whatever. It's our duty to follow that. Uh, because what we're saying, because like if we're saying, um, if we don't follow those things, we're saying actually none of this really matters. Yeah. Is what we're saying. And people, even if they don't pick it up uh, consciously, subconsciously, it begins to affect the way they see things. Exactly. Exactly, and, and this is the other thing too. I think a lot of things you're bringing around, I think, bring it around the question of well, what do we mean about participation at mass? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you know, if you read the Second Vatican Council's documents, it says full, conscious, and we translate it as actual, active participation. But the Latin there is actuoso, which is better translated as actual participation, which means the full conscience and putting of your heart into the mass to listening and to being intentional about what the mass is doing. Um, it does. It says nothing about an activism. Yeah. Right. That this is a mystery we're participating in. And just by being present, you are doing more good for yourself than anything else you would ever do. So it, you don't have to do things at mass. You can just show up and it's okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to push back okay. a little bit. Yeah, on yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. Because there are certain parts in the ordinary form of the liturgy that are reserved to the people. Right. So they are an active part in the worship. Like you have, I mean, to be honest, you have lines to say, just like the priest has lines to say. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if, or even like, I'll even push it a little bit more. Um, while I put emphasis, and I think the church puts emphasis on people praying the mass parts and that sort of thing. Like if the Gloria is being led or um, being prompted for the people to sing, like you should sing the Gloria. Mm -hmm. Like there should be some active, like in a regular sort of sense that people should be involved in. Like you should sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're you're a Christian, you should sing. Right. But like, like I agree with you said, it's not just showing up and doing things. Right. Exactly. There's a deeper spiritual thing underlying that. But we also need to acknowledge the fact that we are embodied creatures. Right. Exactly. And so what's going on interiorly will needs to be expressed or shown. They, they work together. Of course. I guess what, I'm trying, to say. what yeah. I'm trying to get at is that at the heart of at the heart of the mystery of the mass is the relationship between Christ and his church. And the priest represents Christ the head. He is literally in the person in the person of Christ the head. That's it. That's his role as priest. And the whole body is if you will, in the person of the church, which is always found archetypally most perfectly in Mary. And so, and what is the, what is the greatest virtue extolled of Mary? It's that act of receptivity. And that is the best thing we can do at mass. (laughs) What happens when we make it too much about actual part, active participation and and activism, I think we over masculinize the church away from what she's meant to be oh man this is bringing up when we eventually do a podcast on the church Which i want to talk about do. this yeah 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 because benedict talks about this as well oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. true because if we make it all about this activism 
about these parts that we do, then they become parts that we can change and then we can mm -hmm. form and we can fix and we can make right. And if we lose that receptive and meditative heart, then the liturgy becomes our project. Exactly. And that's why we need to reclaim the feminine in the liturgy, this more receptive idea. Exactly. Um, so I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. 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 So, um, so what's, uh, what's the point? What's the point of going to mass? To worship the father. Yep. Ah, good. You, that actually was a thought that I forgot to say. Like, I think <laughs> we forget, go. but I didn't want to, I didn't want to like get tripped up. But like, yeah. so that's people understand when you and I are yeah. praying most of the mass, yeah. we are not talking to the people. No. That's why it's so, it feels so silly to face the people all the time. Cause I'm not talking to you. Yep. And now people get tripped up by this because um, the collects, the opening prayer, uh, it says Lord. And when we think Lord, we often think of Jesus. But right. those prayers are directed to the Father. Right. Yeah. So this is what we have. We have like the priest as head of the body, but also yep. the body being there in the people. Yep. We're praying as Christ to the Father. All of us happening in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And if you take time to really think about that, we're praying as Christ to the Heavenly Father, in the Spirit. Yep. That's, and, and we're drawing the whole that, body into that. Yes, drawing the whole body into that. Okay, do, does your liturgy look like that's what you're doing? Yeah. If that's what you're doing, does your liturgy look like that is what you're doing? Mm -hmm. It's a very, like, until we remember what's actually happening at Mass, the liturgical reform of the reform, whatever else we're doing, yeah. whatever else we're trying to make it more welcoming. Because to be honest, there's nothing more welcoming than that. Right. You're invited yeah. to participate in the Trinity. You are, yeah, you are present at Jesus's supreme gift. This is the most welcoming and uh, inclusive thing. Even if you're not baptized, you can be there. Right. right? And you can literally be present at the supreme sacrifice of Jesus Christ which is offered to the father and it's the sign it's the supreme sign of god's love to the world and everyone is welcome to participate to be there now what we can do in with regards to communion is obviously different but you're you're present at the best moment of history made present again how is this not seen to be inclusive etc yeah you're being welcomed into the most real thing into yeah. the like depths of reality itself into yeah. God. And if you're not so, baptized and if you're not baptized, guess what? You can, we will are happy to baptize you so that you can come into this mystery perfectly. Yes. Like we want you to be a part of us, yes. but to be a part of us, you actually have to be a part of us. Yes, exactly. We don't, we don't have guests at Thanksgiving in the church. We only have family members. Yeah. That's enough. Like we want you to be part of the family. We don't want you right. to just be a visitor. We want you to be a part of this. Yeah. Well, this to is... be a part of this requires a change in who you are. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like we're not welcoming, but like there's a deep intimacy yeah. that you need to be, you have to enter into. Yeah. And that deep intimacy is going to require some sacrifice on your yeah. part. Well, this is, is. this is why I, I, I'm always maybe careful about where I say it or anything, but I always say it. it's mm -hmm. like, no, everyone's like, well, everyone's a child of God. I'm like, no, they're not. That's what baptism does to you. Yep. <laughs> you become an adopted son and daughter of God. We are creatures of God, but we are not mm -hmm. sons and daughters until we're baptized. Because yeah. we are only children of the Father 
when we are baptized. That's what baptism does. It helps us to share in Jesus's filial relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. You know what? I don't think we're going to get anything better in this podcast than ending on the Trinity. There you you go. I agree. I I agree. There we go. Good. All righty then. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of fundraising. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get right to it. So I know you guys have all been waiting. You've been on the edges of your seats. Like Father Harrison and the other guy, we really want to somehow support what you're doing. We want to give you some money. How do we do it? Well, now we're opening up our Patreon. So this is how it's going to work as we complete the uh, Patreon website uh, later today. Um, So we basically need money for a few things. One, producer Nick actually does like a lot for us. Mm -hmm. The reason why we sound as good as we do, um, all the fun bumpers, like Nick does all that stuff and he does it in his free time, which is limited because, you know, just like anybody else, he's super busy. And so it is right and just that he get paid for this. We want to pay him some money. So there's that. Yep. Secondly, we also want to, uh, Father Harrison needs a new microphone. Yeah. We've already paid for like a lot of equipment. We want to kind of cover the cost of that. Yeah. So that's what this money is going to. But there's a good chance that we might have funds that exceed that. Now, Father Harrison and I, we don't want any money from this podcast. Right. We're fine as we are. We're fine. Yeah. So we decide any extra funds will be going to the missionaries of charity. Yeah. Um, so we're going to post that like whatever, every month or so, maybe every four months. Yeah. Every we'll quarter um, show or something, you guys yeah. Yeah, yeah, where the money has gone to and all that good stuff. Yeah. And so, but like any Patreon account, if you're going to give money, you should get a little something back. So this is what we plan on doing. So those of you who donate to us, uh, on a monthly basis, you will be entered into a lottery. <laughs> and so we'll pick names randomly yep. before every podcast. And whoever gets picked will get to choose any tweet on Twitter. And when we get final approval of this, because you yes. can't pick something like absolutely crazy. Yes. But you can pick basically any tweet on Twitter. We'll mention you and we'll talk about whatever tweet you pick. Yeah. So if you want to pick like, you know, uh, just a tweet that you tweet about yourself and how awesome you are, hey, We'll read it. We might make fun of you because yep. you did that one. Yeah. But we'll talk about it on the Summa Theologica. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to yeah. offer. It's a little thing yeah. um, if you guys want to support what we're doing. And if not, you just want to keep on listening, then that's that's fine by us too. Yeah. And I mean, and there's a few other costs associated too. We, we want to try and do more more book reviews. Uh, so, yep. you know, you have to buy books for that. And then um, we also want to, we have to pay for SoundCloud every year. And so you have to pay for that. It was just, we were recognizing, it's like, okay, this is fun to do but we don't want to have to eat up all these costs and it's a great, we love doing the service, but we also, and like, like father Anthony said, we really, we're really okay. Not making money doing this. We don't, this is a side project we love to do. We just love to do it, but we just thought this would be a good way to support and especially to support producer Nick, who has done awesome stuff and makes it takes, he, he, it's like a sacrament. He takes our nothingness and he makes it into something beautiful for God. It's true. Like I, li- I just dream something up. I'm like Nick. I want something like this, and he just makes it happen. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really awesome. And also, finally, we need. Uh, we keep flying Tommy in from the West Coast to speak on the podcast. <laughs> this is and one we reason we need the Patreon. <laughs> it is really costing us because every time we fly him out, we run out of time. Sorry, so once Tommy. again, Tommy, I'm sorry. Uh, we we keep sending us your bill. We'll keep paying for it. Uh, we've got Patreon going, so we'll eventually yeah. get that all settled. Okay, that's good. So you can find me, Father Anthony, at Father Sharapa. And I'm at FR Harrison. And you can follow us on at ClericalPod. And then our web our our email address is 
uh, clerically speaking at gmail.com, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I even answered a few emails. I today. saw that. They were today. short, I but saw I answered that. them. I and, saw that. And nice. You're welcome, guys. You're welcome. All right. We'll see you guys later. Okay, Peace. God bless.